The wait is almost over. Christmas is almost here. And uh, in my house, where we have three little girls, ages 11, 8, and 5, the wait has seemed unbearable. It's been a long wait. And uh, our, our youngest daughter, Maddie, she's, she's, like I said, she's five years old, and she doesn't really understand time yet. You know, with kids that age, everything is right now or not at all. Maddie's relationship with time is, is sort, of like, uh, sort of like my relationship with turkey bacon, actually. She understands its existence, but not its purpose. And uh, so, so Maddie, with Maddie, anytime we mention that something's coming up, she always says, in a minute. And for the longest time, my wife Erin and I would try to correct her and say, no, it's tomorrow, or no, it's next week, or no, it's later. And she would always just say back to us, in a minute. And so at this point, we're just like, in a minute, in a minute. And so her kindergarten teacher is going to have to explain to her why not everything is in a minute. And so every day since our Christmas decorations have gone up, uh, Madeline has asked us every single day, is today Christmas? And so I'm so glad tomorrow's Christmas. (laughs) Because the task of disappointing that cute little face for the last 24 days has been painful. I think we're all excited that the wait is almost over. The wait for Christmas to be together. The wait for Christmas dinner, for Christmas cookies, to open up our stockings and and our gifts. The wait for the gift is almost over. And in our passage that I want to look at together this morning, or this evening, just for the next 10 to 15 minutes, uh, a prophet named Isaiah... Uh, He talks about a gift that's going to come. It's the gift. It's the gift that we gather around at Christmas. It's the gift of Jesus. And Isaiah says this gift is coming, and then the whole world has to wait 700 years for Jesus to come. I want us to look at these two verses from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The prophet says this. He says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What Isaiah is doing here is, Actually, it's the equivalent of a royal birth announcement. He's saying a son is being given, a baby is being born, and and in a royal birth announcement at this time in history in the ancient Near Eastern world, they would give the the, the king, the the baby king, titles and names. And Isaiah gave uh, Jesus four titles, and I want us to look at them uh, together tonight. And when we look at these four titles, we're going to learn who Jesus is to us and what he brings to us. So the first title is Wonderful Counselor. You know, uh, every now and then, <clears throat> I take my girls over to Target, and uh, we, we end up in the toy aisle against my better judgment. And during the Christmas season, there's lots of kids in the toy aisle being dragged by their parents, and the kids are screaming and crying because they want all those toys now. And every now and then, a parent who's dragging a child who's having a fit sees another parent who's dragging another child who's having another fit and your eyes catch for just a moment, and there's this moment of solidarity. You just kind of do like this little chest pump, and you're just like, I get you. You know, it's a real gift in life to find someone who actually gets you, who knows your looks, who understands what you're thinking, who can finish your sentences. And I've found, maybe you've found this too, that in life it's such a gift to have someone to walk you through things 
that they themselves have already been through. Maybe painful things like a health scare or the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one. How great is it to have somebody with you? And in my experience, when I'm talking to somebody who's been where I am, what they say to me, their insight, their counsel, even their presence has greater depth and meaning because they've been there. Now, Jesus Christ is a wonderful counselor because in Jesus, we have someone who gets us because he's been one of us. And that's the miracle of Christmas, the incarnation, that God became man, and that Jesus fully embraced the human experience. And here's what this means, by the way. It means that Jesus knows your struggles, not just cognitively, but he knows them experientially because he had his own. And Jesus, uh, he, he understands your battles, not just strategically, but he understands your battles emotionally because he's walked through them. And Jesus recognizes your tears, not just as your tears, but as his own. Because Isaiah says later that Jesus was a man of, of sorrow who was well acquainted with grief. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like no one notices you. Jesus lived in obscurity for 30 years. Nobody noticed him. Maybe you feel like no one supports you. You know, Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him. Maybe you think, no one understands me. Well, Jesus' closest friends completely misunderstood him and his teachings and his mission. Maybe you feel rejected and betrayed. Jesus was turned on by those closest to him. You ever feel like life is unfair? Well, Jesus was arrested on false charges, tried under the cover of the darkness of night, and executed despite the fact that he had done no crime. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned. Jesus knows what it's like to be truly alone as he hung on that cross. See, Jesus, our, our wonderful counselor, was sent to us to walk through life as one of us so that now he can walk through life with each of us. And he can lead us and guide us, and because of that, he is our wonderful counselor. Now, before we get to this next title, let me just pause and say this. Maybe you're here tonight and you've forgotten this about Jesus, or you don't believe this about Jesus. Maybe you, when you think about him, you feel like he's disappointed with you. He's distant from you, that he thinks you're some kind of massive failure. But Isaiah wants you to know tonight, he's your wonderful counselor. He's sympathetic, he's empathetic, he understands your struggle, and he wants to walk with you through it. But you know, he's more than just a wonderful counselor. His next title is, he's a mighty God. Jesus was more than a man. He was God, fully God, fully man. Jesus being God was prophesied of him. It was talked about in his birth accounts. It was supported by his miracles, his signs, and his wonders. It was believed by many of those closest to him. It was a truth that he affirmed with his own words. It was a claim that became the motivation behind his arrest, his trial, and his execution. It was confirmed by his resurrection from the dead, which was witnessed by hundreds of individuals who saw him and gave their lives for this story. He is the mighty God. And you know why it's so important that he's not just a wonderful counselor, but that he's also a mighty God? Because we need someone who can save us. And someone who just has good advice can't save us. We need someone to bring good news and to do something because we can't save ourselves. In 1985, there was a famous concert called the Live Aid Concert. And uh, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, they wrote a very famous song that most people know now called We Are the World. And they lined up all these famous artists, and they all stood on a stage, and they all sang, We Are the World. And one of the lines of the course uh, in We Are the World is, there's a choice we're making. We are saving our own lives. 
Bob Dylan was one of the singers on stage, and he's kind of an awkward guy anyway, but he looked extra awkward that night. And afterwards, the reporters were talking to him, and he admitted, he said, I'm, I felt very uncomfortable singing that song. And one of the reporters asked Bob Dylan, why, do you, why were you feeling so uncomfortable? And this is what he said, and I'll quote. He said, I'll tell you why, because man cannot save himself. He's right. Jesus is more than a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. This means he comes with more than good advice. He comes with good news. And here's the good news of the Christian belief, that because God's not against us, but because God is for us, he became God with us. And when we believe that, he can become God to us. And by his spirit, he becomes God in us. He's God for us. He's God with us. He can be God to us, and he is God in us. What does he bring to us? Let's look at the last two titles tonight. Isaiah called him an everlasting father. Now, this is a beautiful gospel metaphor that is woven throughout Scripture, and the metaphor is this, adoption. That we were outside of his family, but he brought us in at cost to himself. And this title, everlasting father, it makes things personal now, doesn't it? Not just a counselor, not just a God, but someone who is personally connected with us, emotionally and powerfully connected as a father. And what God brings us is the security of a forever family, that we have a place where we belong. We're no longer strangers at best or enemies at worst. We're a family. We belong to him. He's brought us in. God's given us his name, his reputation, his resources, and his inheritance. He's our everlasting father, giving us a forever family. But lastly tonight, He's more than that. He's also our Prince of Peace. My three little girls can't wait to grow up. I mean, breaking my heart watching them grow up. But, but they cannot wait to be an adult. And when I ask them, Lilia and Caroline especially, why do you want to be an adult? They say, because when I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can go to bed whenever I want. I can watch whatever I want. And you and mom can't ruin my life anymore. <laughs> They remind me of Simba from The Lion King running around singing, I just can't wait to be king. You know, everyone wants to be king until they're king. Everyone wants to be an adult until they're an adult. How many adults would say, I wouldn't mind a go at being a kid again? Everyone wants to be the boss until they're the boss. Everyone wants to be the leader until they are the leader. There's a, there's a saying that goes around, heavy lies the crown which is a misquote, actually, of a line from a Shakespeare play, Henry IV, and it says this, uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. And here's what it means. If you're going to rule, you have responsibility. And the weight of being a ruler or a prince brings with it the weight of responsibility. And if Jesus is the prince of peace, that means he came not just to be our friend, not just to get us out of trouble, but to reign and rule over our lives. And it actually, Isaiah said in this text that the government shall be upon his shoulders. And that image is supposed to remind us that that, that, is the, that is an image of bearing weight as a ruler. The ruler bears the weight of responsibility. And here's the truth that we learn in this text, that Jesus came to bring us into his family, but in order to do so, he had to take responsibility for us. If you've ever had the privilege of seeing the beauty of an adoption ceremony, when somebody adopts a child into their home, they can bring them into their family, but they have to also agree, I take responsibility. And at cost to themselves, they bring that child into their family. That's what Jesus did. 
He had to take our burden off our shoulders and place them on his own. Jesus was born to die. And at the cross, Jesus stood in as a substitute for you and me. Jesus took full responsibility for our sin, our shame, and our sickness. And here's what Jesus said when he went to the cross. He said, let it all rest on my shoulders. Because he knew, as Bob Dylan said, we can't save ourselves. We can't work or govern or think or strategize or study or discover or advance to peace. Hey, look around the world. Look around our country. How are we doing? The smarter we get, the further it feels like we are from peace. The more advanced our society gets, the more it seems like peace is impossible. We can't do it for ourselves. Only the Prince of Peace could do that work for us because only Jesus could bear the burden of our sin. And that's what he came to do. Jesus brought us peace. The first four lines of the famous Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, say this. And I'm going to finish. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner reconciled. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's the peace we all need the most. Peace between our hearts and God's heart. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he brings with him a kingdom of peace that someday we will see it will last forever. And then the verse ended with this little phrase. Did you notice this? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here's the last reminder I want to give you about Christmas. God accomplished this. Not you, not me, not religious people, not churches. God accomplished this. The message of Christmas is not, hey, listen, if you, look what you can do if you try harder. The message of Christmas is not, look at what humankind is capable of if we just work together. The message of Christmas is this. Look at what God has done for you in Jesus. For to us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me pray for you tonight.